And welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some readers might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. I'm your host, Kayla, the Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. Today, I'm going to be reading from The Ice House by Monica Sherwood. This is the author's debut novel, which is very exciting. It was published fall of 2021, and it's a middle grade book. And let's read the summary. It seems like there is no escape from the freeze. Louisa feels trapped. There's a global temperature drop, and her family's been snowed into their apartment building for months. Her parents are overwhelmed. Her little brother is driving her up the wall. She's barely seen her friends, so they're growing apart. But her neighbor and former friend Luke has been around a lot after his dad's scary ice-related accident. The universe is out of whack, and all she wants is for normal to return fast. Everything changes when Louisa and Luke build an ice house to get away from their stressed-out families. But when they discover a mystifying window to what could lie ahead, it sets them on an impossible mission to restore the world to its rightful order. Full of heart and sparkling with a touch of magic, this story of emerging from a certain kind of quarantine resonates profoundly during these extraordinary times. So this is a realistic fiction that gently tackles some heavy themes. The content warning here is that it does have a lot of allusions to the pandemic that we just went through. So if that, please take care of yourself first. This book is very sensitive and authentic, and it has such heartfelt prose with a little bit of magic. So let's get started. Chapter one. It might start melting by next Friday, Dad said. Sergeant Cole got a tip from someone at the National Guard. Mom forced the hard edge of her shovel into a mound of frozen snow. I'll believe it when I see it, she said, over the crunch of metal against ice. Maybe they're right this time, I said. Dad looked up at me from the almost clear front walkway to our building. Maybe is right. He'd been predicting the end of the freeze about once a week ever since the worldwide phenomenon had started in the middle of September. Six months ago, new snow had continued to fall nearly every day since, piling higher and higher until thick layers of ice seemed to cover everything. It was hard to imagine it ending anytime soon, but I knew Dad was trying to stay positive for us, so I didn't mind playing along with him. Will, my six-year-old brother, kicked his booted foot against the ledge Mom had made along the sidewalk while shoveling. She'd piled the snow high because there was nowhere else for it to go. What was once the front lawn of our apartment building looked like a bunny hill ski slope. And then I'll get Luisa's old bike, like you promised, right? Will asked. Yes, then you'll get Luisa's bike, Mom said. She lodged her shovel in the snowbank, her black hair falling in front of her eyes from the force of the effort. I didn't want to shovel anymore either. When the freeze first started, Dad and his friend Brian, our downstairs neighbor, had volunteered our families to help Mr. Yu, our elderly landlord, shovel the sidewalk and front path of our building. 
There were five apartments in our building altogether. The other tenants were pitching in as well. We rotated weekends. At first, it had been exciting. I'd never had a reason to shovel before. But now, after months of this never-ending weather event, it was exhausting. Lifting my arms sent a dull ache up to my shoulders and my eyes were stinging from the cold. Mom's fair skin was sprinkled with golden freckles. Her cheeks popped bright pink from the cold. She shook her hands out and turned, looking out onto our street. The sky was ominous and full of thick clouds, like marshmallows stuck together. My favorite trees had died, and instead of cherry blossoms, there were icicles hanging from the branches. Their gray trunks taunted me like zombies. Right past the trees, Brian and his wife, Alicia, and their son, Luke, were trying to break up some of the thick ice coating the sidewalk. It was weird to think about how Luke and I had been best friends when we were little kids. Now, even though we were in the same sixth grade class and our parents were super close, we weren't. Brian's voice carried to the wind. He was singing something, but I couldn't hear the words. Luke seemed to be dancing along and Alicia giggled as she watched. Even though I rolled my eyes at Luke's weird moves, I couldn't help but wish my family still goofed around like his. Mom didn't crack jokes anymore. And since dad was a first responder, a firefighter, all he ever seemed to talk about was the freeze. Brian noticed me staring at them and waved me over. He was dad's age. They'd been best friends ever since high school, but the dark brown waves of hair spilling out from under his red beanie made him look a lot younger. Alicia's eyes lit up as I trekked through the snow toward them. She had an oval birthmark on her left cheek and the prettiest curly eyelashes I'd ever seen. Today, she wore her long dark hair in tight braids that she tucked into the collar of her lilac puffy coat. Lou, back me up here, she said once I was close. This morning, Luke was complaining about how we don't know when the freeze is going to end, but I'm telling him he should look at it like an adventure. We're living through this historic moment You'll get to tell your kids about it one day, right? Our frost over apartment building, the shut down and lonely looking bodega on our corner, the street slick with black ice, I tried to picture them on the front of a history textbook. It didn't seem anything like the history we learned about at school, the Great Depression or the Civil Rights Movement. We were just stuck inside, watching snowfall and wondering when it would end. At his mom's question, Luke stopped dancing and huffed. If I was living through history, he said, I'd want to live through the 70s. Not now. Why the 70s? I ask. To me, the 70s seem like a million years ago. It made me think of the old sort of orange pictures from when mom and dad were really little kids. The ones where Nana still had long wavy brown hair and wore bell-bottom jeans. Because in Rodrigo and the Moon, it's 1970. Space exploration was just beginning. Of course, Luke was talking about Rodrigo, his favorite graphic novel series. It was all he ever talked about. Rodrigo was an average seventh grader who'd been obsessed with the moon landing. A year after the landing, in 1970, he'd woken up on the moon. He had to find his way back to his family, and every book in the series was about a step on his quest. I'd never read it, and the more Luke talked about it, the less I wanted to. I'm tired of this part of history. I'd want to live in the future where hopefully it's warmer, I said, brushing off Luke's answer and turning to Alicia. You got a point there, she said. I knew Alicia hated cold weather. She'd grown up in Jamaica and always missed the heat. Here, 
Warm up like this. Luke jumped up and down, smiling with satisfaction. He looked pretty silly. Brian was whistling now and wedging the edge of his ice pick into the crevice where the cement would have met the lawn. What's that song? I said, taking a step away from Luke and toward Brian. It's one I'm writing right now. I think I'll call it The Coldest Day. Brian was a musician, the lead singer and guitarist of his own band. He played music mom described as folksy. His voice was warm and comforting, even when he was strumming his guitar fast and loud. Let's hear it, I said. I loved listening to Brian sing, even if it was a song he'd made up on the spot. Hey, Spring, did you forget to come around? Why are there no flowers in the ground? I love snow as much as anyone, but will the shoveling ever be done? Mom, Dad, and Will stopped shoveling at the sound of Brian's voice. They walked over to us, standing behind me in the snow. As he sang, I kept time, tapping my foot to the beat. It crunched against the snow, that crisp first bite of an apple song. If you love ice skating, it's the day for you. If you love snowmen, you know what to do. If you have a snowblower, it's your lucky day. If not, pray it ends by May. When he finished, Brian bowed dramatically. We clapped, but our thick gloves muffled the sound, so you could hardly hear it over the wind whistling past us. Nice, Bry. It's no lifeguard blues, but close, Dad said. What's lifeguard blues? Will asked. When we were teenagers, we'd lifeguard in the summer. And you know, when you lifeguard, you spend a lot of time sitting up on those tall chairs and watching everyone else have fun in the water. And you're so hot, just baking in the sun. So Bri wrote a song about it. Sing it, Brian, I said. You'll have to wait until my next concert. I don't have it in me to give lifeguard blues the love it deserves. Come on, dad, Luke said. On my birthday, when the freeze is over, we're going to have a big party on the beach and I'll do a private family and friends performance of Lifeguard Blues then, in honor of summer. Dad just said it's going to end next week, Will said. Mom ruffled Will's reddish hair. Let's hope so, bud, she said, her voice tired. What, you aren't having fun shoveling, Brian said, peering down at Will. Why don't you see if you can jump as high as Luke? Uh, I know I can, Will said, and he leapt up like he was trying to reach one of those icicles hanging off the tangle of dying tree branches. There you go, Brian said, and Dad chuckled. I wasn't convinced by Brian's birthday party promise. It was March now, and his birthday was at the end of June. It was hard to believe there were only a few months separating us from a snowless summer. When do you think it'll end? I asked, looking up at Luke. Even though I was exactly two months older than him, he towered over me. You heard my dad. He thinks it'll be done by his birthday, he said. He took off his fogged over glasses and rubbed at the lenses with the end of his scarf. Right, but do you believe him? What, you don't? Luke tilted his head, the pom-pom of his hat flipping to one side. I wish I did, I said. Don't worry, he knows what he's talking about. It was hard for me to believe Brian, or my own parents, teachers, newscasters, anyone, after the world had stopped making sense. Ever since the middle of September, we'd been living in a state of global emergency. On the news, we saw people all over the world struggling to cope with the unexpected snow. We watched videos of families in Brazil having snowball fights, explaining their confusion over the four feet of snow filling their streets in the summer, and their struggle with the delay in delivery of shovels and snowplows. At least we had shovels. Some places weren't used to snow at all. 
In our own neighborhood, stores closed and a curfew was put in place. We had to order groceries and wait days for delivery as food trucks arrived less frequently. Mom and dad froze all the food they could to make it last. It became too dangerous for school buses to drive on the roads, coated in thick ice, so we were all stuck inside all day, meeting for class over video call. Just to walk around outside safely, we had to wear these boots with thick grips, the kind mountain climbers used. Every night on the news, we heard more reports of car accidents on black ice, trucks swerving on highways, snowplows getting stuck in the middle of roads, important people, politicians and doctors and celebrities were given safety escorts on snowmobiles to get from place to place. And then there was dad's unbelievable stories, doors freezing over, trapping residents inside their buildings, heavy snow caving in people's roofs, hail cracking windows. He was always working double shifts on call to handle emergencies. I didn't like to think about. Now, as we watched Dad and Brian try to knock icicles off the gutter with one of our shovels, I tried to shake my worry away. Our dad snickered as they took turns attempting to gain traction on the tall snowbank for a good angle to knock the icicles down. I'm the Snow King, Brian called to us from on top of a huge pile of snow lining the wall of the building. He waved the shovel like a scepter in his hand. Dad shook his head, cackling, and turned back to the gutter. When his metal shovel collided with the thick row of icicles blocking the gutter, a sound like glass shattering crackled across the yard. I watched, mesmerized, as Dad smashed row after row of icicles along the front of the building. They're just going to have to do this again next time, I said. Luke, rubbing his gloved hands together, said, Yeah, but it is kind of cool. It's like a battle with the elements. Will the ice attack our apartment? Or will we eventually be victorious? My life wasn't a video game. In our apartment building wasn't the scene of some battle in a quest. If it was, after 180 days of the freeze, it seemed like we were headed toward defeat. And that is the end of the chapter. Ooh, that was heavy for me personally. I don't think I'm ready to read a pandemic-related book, but maybe you guys are. It's an interesting take to read a book written kind of about the pandemic, but not actually about the pandemic. It gives you a different viewpoint and it kind of helps you cope. But I hope you found that chapter intriguing enough to check out. If not, there's always another book just waiting to be discovered. You can check this book out physically in the library. Please let us know if you need any library card help. We are happy to assist. And please check the show notes for some read-alikes. I've got some Snowden books, just some fun books to check out. And thank you for listening. Please join me next time for another Next Reads.